I was going to sing that for you, but my white outfit's at the cleaners, you know. Chuck, you're, you, love, you love that song. Elvis was pretty much right on target. When we hear it, we all remember it, we recall the song. But he's pretty much right on target with where a lot of people find themselves, especially in the month of December. If we're truly honest, all of us have faced some blue Christmases. And maybe you find yourself there today. Because of personal circumstances, sometimes it's just not as positive and exciting as it once was in the month of December. And while the background music in the stores may say have a holly jolly Christmas, to you maybe this year, it's a little bit tougher than before. And if we were to travel back in the days preceding the first Christmas, we would find that there wasn't a lot of red and green and lights, but there was a lot of blue. People who were down, depressed, discouraged, fatigued, and troubled. And if you're thinking maybe this will be a blue Christmas for you, you may be right, but let me remind you as we start out from the words of the psalmist that said, weeping may remain for the night, but what? Rejoicing, joy comes in the morning. You remember the story from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where Luke writes, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that ascension should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So we've got these newly married, this newly married couple now have to leave their family, travel to Bethlehem, and oh yeah, Mary is nearly full term in her pregnancy. To them, even as it begins, this first Christmas was a rather blue one due to a variety of reasons. I want to give you a few of those. First, it would have been blue because of relational stress. This is probably not the easiest way to start out of marriage. Out of marriage. Mary and Joseph would have felt the pressure. Me ever taken a stress test where they evaluate things going on in your life and you give a, a number to it. You know, and the idea is to stay away from those high stress factors such as moving into a new house, having a baby, new job. Think of all that was coming down on them and how, how high their stress level would have been. It would have been off the charts. It's all brand new to them. How many remember your first year of marriage? Fun, huh? I mean, it was fun, but there was a lot of stress there. A young woman said to her mother, Mom, is it true in some parts of India that a woman doesn't know her husband until she marries him? Mom said, Honey, 
That's the way it happens in every country. <laughs> you ladies could agree to that. Well, Mary and Joseph were in the awkward process of getting to know each other. The courtship is over. This is the real deal. They're married now. Spring training is over. The season has begun. And to complicate the matters, an unexpected pregnancy arrives. And in that culture, they would have been the talk of the town. Everywhere they went, there would have been whispers behind their back. There they are. There they are. Did you hear? Did you know? Relational stress. Longtime friends didn't buy the story of the angels. Close family and friends questioned Mary's excuse-making ability. And they thought Joseph made the worst mistake of his life. That first Christmas was looking pretty blue for this young couple. And as we approach Christmas, relational stress can hit us as well. Stress of broken friendships or relationships. Maybe there's someone you won't be sending a card or giving a gift to this year. Christmas parties can have tension when you as a believer do not party hardy or engage in the things that your other friends at work may do. Someone in your family may show up at your door, kind of like a Cousin Eddie kind of deal, right? At Christmas time. Give me that picture. It's a great picture. There he is. Kind of like Cousin Eddie showing up at your door. All of us have had that, oh no, here they are. Here they are. For others, you would say it's the bluest of Christmas because maybe a loved one has passed away. Maybe a marriage has severed. And there's going to be an empty seat around the Christmas table this year. There's going to be a void in your family when the gifts are passed out. It can be painful. My grandmother on my mom's side has passed probably five, six years ago. But I'll never forget, my grandfather, her husband, my pap-pap, passed away when I was nine years old. But even eight, ten years ago when she was still alive, every Christmas, when we sat to eat, she would bawl her eyes out. And that was some 30, 40 years after he'd passed. It hurts. It's painful. Nothing causes more emotional stress than the absence of a loved one due to death or separation due to divorce or issues within the family that you can't control. There's a ministry here within Medina that we have helped through the years, Oasis of Hope, We've had a relationship with them ever since I've been here on staff six or seven years ago. And through our Thanksgiving offering, you all generously sacrificed to give part of that Thanksgiving offering to them. And they deal with people right now who are having emotional blue Christmases and they have emotional stress through the entire year. I thought it was only fit that you guys got to share in the joy of giving 
uh, what you so generously gave. So I asked Tracy to come this morning. Tracy, come on up. She says, am I going to have to talk? I said, no. But Tracy oversees Oasis of Hope. Just a mile and a half up the road on the left is where they're located. They have one of our giving, uh, give and take boxes out. I liked how you guys moved it to the front of the building uh, so people can get food. But more importantly, they minister to young women, young men, families as uh, they're hurting and in need in a variety of different ways. And so you all, I'm going to tell you how much it was because it's blown me away, sacrificially gave. And this is for you to use in the Oasis of Hope, however you see fit, uh, but over $22,000. We appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. Awesome. <laughs> that just blew me away. Uh, the total Thanksgiving offering that you generously gave to hurting people here in Medina, Medina County, and in Florida, where there's just devastation, was over $91,000. That awesome. That should take away some stress in some people's lives. Another stress Mary and Joseph faced was physical stress. Joseph was born in Bethlehem, a little suburb of Jerusalem, but he lived in Nazareth, which was 70 miles away. Luke chapter 2, verse 5 reminds us that Joseph went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. What was most, uh, Joseph's career? What was he? A carpenter, self-employed, no such thing as personal days, yet he was going to have to take off over a week or so, travel to Bethlehem, register with government officials, and then walk back. He had to pack enough food, clothing for the trip. Mary would have been uncomfortable in the awkward stage of being nine months pregnant, but there were no exceptions. Everyone had to go to their hometown. And for me, thinking about a guy, this would be a lot of physical stress, taking care of a mom, taking care of your wife, traveling. Every man knows that when you travel in tough conditions by yourself, it's bad enough. But it's even more difficult when you're traveling with your wife who's about to have a baby. That's a lot of pit stops. I know that, right? Traveling all that way, and on a donkey, whether she rode it or not, it was an uncomfortable way to travel. And today, we would think that would be unthinkable. If you're nine months pregnant today, you really don't leave town, right? You stay as close to home as possible. You have your bags packed. If you can help it, your mom is nearby to help and to encourage. We wouldn't think of doing such things. And yet, they get into town. Joseph stops at the first inn. He returns to Mary and says, bad news. Doesn't look like they have any vacancies. Mary replies, I've got even worse news. Joseph says, don't tell me they don't have ESPN. No, I'm kidding. That's what I would think. She rolls her eyes and says, no, worse than that. I'm having contractions, and you didn't call ahead and get a reservation We've got to do something. 
that was their first year of marriage. Talk about stress. Maybe you find yourself facing health issues this December. Some kind of pain you're dealing with. In the midst of your suffering, it's tough to remember Jesus is the reason for this season. Maybe you'll be traveling. Maybe the stress that comes from December itself is overwhelming and exhausting to you. I remember the routine, her parents' home, your parents' home, occasional step-parent thrown in, Christmas parties. I mean, it just continues to mount as December moves on, and we can feel the stress, but not close to what Mary and Joseph must have felt. There was also financial stress. Mary and Joseph didn't have much. We know that. That's why years later, whenever they would offer a sacrifice at the temple, they would have to offer a pigeon or a dove. And remember what's taking place. Caesar Augustus has demanded a census for a very simple reason. All the subjects are under Roman oppression. And that decree not only is a counting of heads, but it means they got to pay up. They're already financially crunched. And yes, they have to pay their taxes. And yet again, we look at today with the weakening of the economy. Inflation is out of control. Gas prices are soaring. Interest rates are rising. Credit card debt is out of control. Many are buying gifts for people, and they have no earthly idea how they're ever going to pay for them. I'll stop there because some of you are ready ready to turn me off right now. But there's financial pressures, right? It's real. And even though Mary and Joseph faced all that stress, all that adversity, there was an unexpected joy, an expected joy that got them through it all. The promised baby that was coming. You can go through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, when you know a baby is about to be born. Whoa, he's up there too soon. All right. I've told you, uh, whew, you threw me off looking at the picture. This is Karsten Edward Hugis. Uh, many of you know, over the last couple of months, I've been asking for prayer uh, on Medina Midweek. I've shared a lot of this. But my daughter-in-law, we had to go out to Arizona uh, because she was put on total bed rest because this little guy was causing some issues. Um, she went to delivery this past week, and issues there, they even had to put her to sleep before he arrived, and we're here in Ohio, and they're in Arizona. Talk about stress levels uh, out of our control, but he arrived, Carson Edward Hugus, this past week, and that is him, and through all that pain, through all the really suffering that my daughter-in-law went through, my son went through in the process of this little guy arriving, they knew what was coming on the other side. And no matter how much pain, no matter how much suffering was involved, the expected joy that was arriving was worth it all. Same with Mary and Joseph. They made it through the delivery. And at the same time, the story starts to unfold for a group of board shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
Luke chapter 2, verses 9 and 11 that Brad read earlier says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Why would the angel say that the birth of this baby brings joy? What is so significant? What is the dramatic change? The answer to that question is the key to this entire message. Let me be real clear. As I speak about a blue Christmas, it may be the reality of life because that's out of our control. But I want you to understand and know in your hearts of hearts, in the midst of our sorrow, in our adversity, Jesus can bring joy. In the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our adversity, in the midst of our pain, Jesus can bring joy. While it may be a blue Christmas due to circumstances, we point to a bigger picture, one of hope, one of triumph, because Christmas reveals that even in the midst of pain, loneliness, grief, and frustration, we can have joy. Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 Matthew writes, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want you to ponder that. On Medina Midweek, we've been listening to Francis Chan's study, and he focuses on this a whole lot. And I think if this Christmas we could focus on one thing, and I still don't believe we will be able to understand it, God with us. Don't just hear it. Don't just say it. It sounds good. What does it mean? Really mean? Pray over it. Meditate on it. God is so interested in you that he showed up here And not only did he show up, but because of the promise of the Holy Spirit, God is in you. You have to meditate on that. I don't think any of us fully comprehend it, any of us fully understand it, but during this Christmas, rest in the fact that he is still with us. In fact, he is in us. 1 Peter 1.5 says, you are shielded by God's power. Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible says that we have a priest, Jesus, who can sympathize with our weaknesses. So in those moments when you find yourself having a blue Christmas, rather than telling God how big your storm is, remind your storm how big your God is. Remember, God knows your pain. He is your wonderful counselor, and he promises to never leave you or forsake you. Regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you need to fear no evil, for God is with you. God is in you. Revelation 21.4 gives us a promise. 
It tells us he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For to the old order of things, they passed away. One day there will be no more blue. There will be no more blue. It'll all be amazing light and brightness in heaven. So if December's a tough one for you, remember you can still have joy in the midst of suffering if you believe the outcome is worth the pain and that there's a compassionate God who is with you even in the valleys of life. The grim reality is when the doctor calls with the test results, it's not always calcium. Sometimes it's cancer. As much as I hate it, couples do get divorced. Families do separate. And in a workplace, pink slips still get handed out in the month of December. Let me speak to those of you who may be facing a blue Christmas. Maybe you have lost a loved one. This past year, perhaps it was your mom. Perhaps it was your dad. Grandparent. Or maybe even a child. And you're going to spend this Christmas without them. Or maybe this is your 5th or 40th Christmas without them. It doesn't get any easier. Or maybe you'll be alone this December. Away from your family. Or your family's in disarray. Perhaps you haven't landed a job. The house hasn't sold. Whatever it is, you're feeling pressure like you've never felt before. Your Christmas could be blue for a number of reasons. And what I want to do this morning before this message wraps up is I want us to pray for you. Pray over you. No, we may not know what's making your December or your life blue at this time. What the pressure is, but God does. And so if you're facing some kind of challenges right now in your life or in your family, I'm going to ask you to stand because I want to pray specifically for you. Go ahead, stand. I want to thank you for the courage to stand. I believe that's what the church is all about. We're not just to come into this space and fill a space, but we're to care for each other, support each other, encourage each other. But that all begins when we are willing to say, man, I need God's help right now. I need the church's help. Would you pray for me? That's where it starts. 
if you're by somebody right now that's standing, I'm going to ask you, or even if you're not, I'm going to ask the rest of you to get up and just go to these folks and put your arm, your, your hand on your shoulder. Everyone that's standing should have somebody with a, a hand or two on their shoulders. If you could do that, we need some folk to come up front here. This direction. Father, what we've talked about here this morning, it's tough. Because God, in this world, there are so many reasons why we hurt. And when you hurt, you hurt. And God, for whatever reason these folks stood this morning, God, we know you know. And God, we pray for the assurance of you being with them, you being in them. God, even through the valley of the shadow of death, God, reassure them of your presence. God, reassure them that the church is here for them. God, that we want to help and encourage them in any way possible. God, I pray for their spiritual hearts. God, that they would look at this storm and not look at how big it is, but remember how big you are. And God, that you can take them through no matter what. God, help us all, all of us, to remember this is only part of the journey. This is only part of our journey. And the promises of revelation that one day, God, you'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. But forever, we will worship you in the presence of your son. We pray this and we lift everyone up here in the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, if you know the end of the story, you're not overly concerned with the development of the plot. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? How many of you know how God's story ends? Who wins? We do. <laughs> we do. As believers in Jesus Christ, we win. And so whatever happens in the development of this thing called life, we still win. As tough as it may be, we dwell on that fact. So not only do we win, but because Jesus came to this earth, we can have joy in the midst of it. That's why we can say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Even though those out in the world now 
I don't know if you've paid attention, but I think it's almost an intentionality to say happy holidays. You can tell me Merry Christmas, I say. As I gave you a little button, maybe you're not into wearing buttons, but if you could just do it for a little while. Or maybe when someone you're checking out and they say, Happy Holidays, you can tell they're intentional through that business to not say Merry Christmas, just kind of go and walk out. It's okay. The angel came to Joseph and he explained Mary's pregnancy. He said in Matthew 1.21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There it is. Merry Christmas. Why did God send Jesus on that first Christmas? So that he could save his people from their sins. So he could save you from your sins. So he could save me from my sins. Say his name with me. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. What a wonderful name it is.